0: I need somebody, Help. not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
1: Welcome to episode 242 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is Keys to Resilience, Building Connections, Love and Hope. Schizophrenia is the illness that shaped the lives of our guests, whom I'm going to introduce to us in a moment, and created their experience of the importance of resilience and its keys. Now, schizophrenia is a serious mental illness that affects 1% of men and women worldwide. It's associated, or it may be associated, with loss of contact with reality and may involve hallucinations like hearing voices when no one has spoken or hearing sounds when no sound is being made. Schizophrenia interferes with the ability to think clearly, to manage emotions, to make decisions, and to relate to others. Schizophrenia impairs a person's ability to achieve their full potential, especially when it's not treated. But with schizophrenia treatment, there is the potential for successful long-term recovery. And this involves finding the right medication and it involves family caregivers to support recovery and to help their family members manage their lives, their treatments and their symptoms, which is why our topic today, Keys to Resilience, Building Connections, Love and Hope, is so important. And to discuss it, our guests are Anika and Sakina Francis. Anika was first exposed to schizophrenia at the age of 3 when her mom, Sakina, was diagnosed with it. Anika experienced schizophrenia's ravaging effects as she tried to support her mother and cope with her own emotional roller coaster. And to make sense of her own world, Anika cultivated a powerful drive and focus. She excelled academically and went to an Ivy League League College where she discovered her love of learning and writing and she now owns an Atlanta-based company Edspire which focuses on transformational learning and Anika's written a book, Loves All That Makes Sense. Sakina developed schizophrenia over 30 years ago. She struggled to cope with her illness and was in and out of mental hospitals. She's been in recovery now for the past 15 years. She's now a mental health advocate. She's passionate about raising awareness of mental illness and of eliminating stigma. She serves on the National Alliance on Mental Illness Multicultural Advisory Board in Cleveland. And she's given over 50 speeches sharing her experiences of living with schizophrenia and of being in long-term recovery. So welcome to the show, Anika and Sakina. Thank you. Thank you.
2: We're so excited to be on the show again.
1: Great. Now, I'm going to start with Anika. I'd like you to tell us about your experience and more about your experience of growing up with a mother with schizophrenia. Anika?
2: Well, schizophrenia didn't just wreak havoc in my mom's life. It impacted those closest to her like me and as I'm sure some of your viewers know there's no sugarcoating of severe mental illness like schizophrenia it can be devastating because it's really not something that you're prepared for I certainly wasn't as you mentioned I was only three when, when my mother was first diagnosed And I often describe growing up with a mother with schizophrenia as being on an emotional roller coaster that I just couldn't get off of because my mom was on and off of her medicine for those first 12 years. She was in and out of the hospital, which also meant that she was in and out of my life. So I never knew quite what to expect. There were months and even years when she'd be doing well, and my mom and I always had a really close relationship, so we enjoyed spending time with each other. She was very involved in my life, but then when she stopped taking her medicine and she was in crisis, that's when I felt like the monster under the bed jumped out. At least that's kind of how I viewed her illness when I was younger. It was scary for me to watch because schizophrenia was slowly steal my mother away. And she'd go from being this warm woman that I was close to to this very emotionally distant and paranoid woman who I barely recognized. And that was really hard for me to make sense of when I was so young. And no one Can really, it? yeah, and no one really explained her illness to me. Um, so I just kind of thought about it as she has a, a sickness of the mind, and it makes her change into someone else and that was difficult for me to really grasp. So in a lot of ways, I didn't try to. I just did what needed to be done to help take care of my mom. So I became a child caregiver at a very young age, and one of the things that I realized with caregivers and especially as for child caregivers is that, you know, we're very impacted by the illness, and we're in those trenches too, and we come out with our fair share of battle scars.
1: Yeah, we're going to come back to those things, Anika, because they're vital. Sakina, please tell us about your experience as a mom living with schizophrenia who also has a growing daughter. Sakina?
3: Oh, yes. Well, can I start off with a little statement? Um, My job now, I feel, is telling the world how good it is to be in recovery from a serious mental illness. I enjoy it, and I have to say my occupation is my recreation now. And, okay, getting on with that. um, Well, there I was. I was living the American dream. I had gone to high school, graduated. I went to college. I was homecoming queen my senior year. I graduated college. That same year I got married. The next year I had a child. And I was uh, moving along, and then all of a sudden schizophrenia started creeping into my life. And as Anika always says, Schizophrenia doesn't just affect the person with it. It affects the whole family. And for me, one of the most important roles that I had before this was being a mother and an aunt. I enjoyed that. And when the schizophrenia did hit, uh, that's all I had to cling to. Uh, it, I, I, I had no direction and no sense of, lo- of loss that I had, but I know I had my daughters to think about to always helped me. And after my first diagnosis, I was in remission for two years. Then my first relapse started. I was devastated. I was in the hospital. I didn't think I'd ever leave the hospital. I had absolutely not a penny to my name. And worst of all, I lost custody of Anika at age five and i had no hope for the future so i said I to myself i said i'm going to just draw myself the next time i'm out of this hospital and the next time i was out of the locked hospital i went to the lake i was under the water and there's some kind of way in my head i heard anika say what happened to my mommy i came out of that lake never to try that again
1: sakina that's a No, very, very powerful story, and we're going to come back to that because that speaks to what we're talking about, your resilience. So, Alika, over to you now. Please tell us about resilience and why, in your own experience, it's so important.
2: Well, to me, when I think about resilience, it's about digging deep to find a way to get up after life knocks you down. And my mom and I wrote our memoir, Love's All That Makes Sense, because we wanted to kind of expand the conversation about mental illness, which often tends to focus on pain and challenge. And, of course, there can definitely be a lot of that. But we also wanted to talk about resilience and where the hope lies, because we don't think that that comes up enough. And for my mom and I, you know, life has thrown us a lot of curveballs. And there were more than our fair share of times that we got knocked down. And in those moments when you're kind of laid out, you have to make a really important choice. You know, am I going to stay down or am I going to find a way to get up? And to me, it's easy to stay down after life's kind of knocked you out because you're already down and out. But getting up, that's what really takes courage. It takes strength and it takes heart. And there's no pill for resilience. There's no game plan for it. But we have learned through our experiences that there are things that can help people to dig deep in those moments to find that resilience. And we just thought it was really important to share some of those stories and some of those messages because it can be really easy to forget about resilience when you're dealing with a severe mental illness.
1: Right. And this is exactly what we're talking about in this episode, Anika. Sakina, what does resilience mean to you? And what role has it played in your long-term recovery? Sakina?
3: Oh, okay. Well, resilience means to me having the spirit to get back up after schizophrenia knocked me down several times, and even more than several times. Um, since the start of my mental illness, I, I was 25 years old, and I've been in uh, many psychiatric wards. I've been on and off medicine, and the first time I went to a mental health hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, there was about 12 patients there, and it was almost funny now, none of us thought we should be there. It was them, not us, and we, we, uh, we kind of kept with that, but medicine kind of got us out of that. Now, at one hospital I was in, my wrists and my ankles were padlocked to the bed. Then another time, I was in a mental hospital. For two days, I was put into a padded room with absolutely nothing in the room. They would put my meal on the floor to eat it, and at night, they'd bring me a blanket and a pillow to lay on. Um, now, to comfort that that was pretty down down for me I've had two long term uh, part time jobs I've had two healthy boyfriend relationships also I was voted unanimously to be on my mental health board's board of trustees and now I'm a mental wellness trained speaker at NAMI so I think what I went through to come back up to that shows resilience
1: resilience is you Sakina resilience is you thank you Gordon Now, it's time to take the break. We have to. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley. My guests are Anika and Sakina Francis. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out what's happening on the
0: Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America.
4: American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join Gary Ray with his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts as they show what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time.
5: Time here on VoiceAmerica.com.
6: Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
0: Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, Please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite, Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is Keys to Resilience, Building Connections, Love and Hope. Let's now both of you talk about the keys to resilience and the ways of creating and sustaining these. So Anika, starting with you, please tell us about the importance of connections for family caregivers.
2: Well, connections is an important key to resilience and connections are all about building healthy support systems that strengthen, stabilize and nurture one so that they can develop the inner strength that's really needed for resilience. And Caregivers need to connect to nurturing support systems just as much as people with um, severe mental illnesses do. For me, I think it can be hard for caregivers to create those connections because it can get really easy to get so focused on caring for a loved one that they forget to care for themselves. I know that's what happened to me at times when I was young and my mom was in crisis. I remember a time um, in particular when I was in the seventh grade and I was living alone with my mom um, and she had gotten sick. And I remembered I'd come home from school and I'd have to make sure that my mom was okay. I'd have to cook. I'd have to clean, try to do my homework. You know, there were moments when I just felt like I was really carrying the weight of the world. And I know that that can be a common experience um, for caregivers when they're dealing with a loved one who's in crisis. And what can happen is that if you're always giving and giving and you don't take time to do things that nurture you, you can burn out. And when that happens, you can't care for your loved one or yourself effectively. So I think it's important for caregivers to have those connections and to take time on a consistent basis to do some things that nurture them. And that can be a variety of things, um, whether it's a support group or if someone's involved in a certain type of church, um, or even if it's just taking five minutes a day to just take a walk, um, doing things even like yoga, you know, there can have some really great stress management techniques. It's really important to create those support systems and those connections so that, you know, as caregivers, we're also able to provide that role, but also to find our own balance.
1: Right. Sakina, back to you. Please tell us why, in your experience, strong relationships are so important for recovery. Sakina?
3: Okay, well, strong relationships in my life has been uh, my father, my daughter, sister, family, and friends. And I know firsthand how uh, the porch that, the importance of relationships has been in my life. Um, another very good relationship for uh, for me has been the mental health centers I've attended. And I like, to, I like to say about them, a sick bird can help another sick bird. When I first started going to the centers, I was sleeping all the time on the sofa and on the chairs, and my peers said, you're over-medicated. Well... The next time I saw my psychiatrist, I mentioned this to him, and he lowered the medicine, and uh, I woke up, and I've never been uh, that sleepy again. Um, um, And I think centers for me, mental health centers, uh, peers, it's good to have peers uh, support each other, and the ones I've gone to, we've helped people stay out of hospitals, and we've helped ourselves, you know, people that not have relapses as much, so family, friends, and they're, they're my strong uh, uh, connections.
1: Right, right. Now, let's move to something that you've both talked about already, but let's go into more detail, starting with you, Anika. What's the importance of love and hope in resilience?
2: Well, when it comes to a severe mental illness, I think resilience is nearly impossible if you lose hope. The love that I have for my mom really helped me to hang on to hope when we were going through those dark times. Hope is the ability to see beyond what is and envision something greater, and it can go a really long way. Uh, It can inspire a person who has a mental illness to stay in recovery. It can inspire a caregiver to continue to provide support for their loved ones. But the difficult thing, Dr. Atherley, is that it can be really easy to become hopeless in the face of a severe mental illness because they can feel so overwhelming at times. So the question really becomes, how do we hang on to hope when we might really be feeling things like fear or hopelessness or anger? And one of the things that I often tell people when I'm trying to work and help someone to remember what hope and joy feel like in their life is that it's a process, and you're not going to jump there if you're feeling things like hopelessness overnight, but that we can begin somewhere, and we can start by asking ourselves, what is it that I can do in this moment that can inspire me to see beyond these challenges and to move towards hope? And that answer might be different for each of us. You know, what inspires me may not inspire you, Dr. Atherley, but there's something that each of us can do. You know, maybe it's watching an inspirational video on YouTube. Maybe it's reading a passage out of a book that inspires you. Maybe it's going to different groups. You know, there's something that we can do. And the point is that you don't have to wait on hope. Um, We can be proactive about it, and it's important to do that because you have to work at hope especially when you're dealing with some of the challenges that can come with mental illness, but that work is so important when it comes to resilience.
1: Right now, Sakina, please tell us how have love and hope together supported your, your recovery. Sakina.
3: Okay. Okay, Gordon. Well, recovery is tough if you don't have love and hope. Um, and was something that, kind of, and I'm kind of a people person, and it might be bad, but it, it matters to me what people think of me, and um, I, I just get astonished how when people read our book, they are just so full of, of love toward me, and people that have gotten, they'll get other ones for their friends to read. So that kind of love of showing my life is kind of important to me, and. Um, as far as love and hope, my father, uh, he showed kind of tough love, and that's that's okay, too. Uh, one time, I locked him out of his own apartment, and uh, Anika had to come to the window of the garage to get in. And at this time, I had stopped taking my medicine because at the job I was so sleepy, and he had been calling the job and telling him not to let me work. Well, so I was just so mad like that. And his tough love was the next day when Anika went to school, he had the police come out and take me out of his home to a mental health center. Now, he uh, once I get myself together back on medicine and functioning well, he always welcomes me back like the prodigal daughter, but he has tough love. And um, another kind of love for mental health people is sometimes uh, some of us have children, and that's not that's not un- it's unique among mental health people, but they don't have any programs that address parenting skills. And I think it's important to recognize this part of a consumer. Um, family love is uh, what made me go into long-term recovery because I, I finally realized that, no, nobody was doing this to me. It was me doing this myself. And my family would come back, you know, they'd be so distressed, but they'd come back and support me. I said 15 years ago, this is going to stop. If all it takes is for me to take medicine, then I'm going to take it and be the loving person that they always see me as. So that's what I did.
1: I'd like to go back to Anika on this, on this, still on this question of love and hope. In the sorts of situations you're both talking about, that is the situations you've been in as, as a result of serious mental illness, can hope really exist without love? Anika?
2: I don't think it can. I think they really go hand in hand. I know for me, um, especially when talking about mental illness, you have to be able to remember that love. Because I think if you can't remember that, then it's really hard to see beyond the illness. And you've got to be able to see beyond the illness to have that hope. And love can be that thing that can help you to see
3: beyond what is. Can I say one thing about that, Gordon?
1: Yes, please do.
3: Okay, as far as with love, especially family love, for me, it was a support system, and for all the peers, the support system, it lets us know we're loved and something to be a part of, and that's very important.
1: And Sakina, you also talked about tough love, the tough love of your father, who realized that something needed to be done in a particular situation, and even though... It might not have been your first choice, what he did. Nevertheless, it was the right thing. And it was that's the what right thing, t- Gordon. Say again. Well, I said it was the right
3: thing.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. So in that sense, tough love is all part of the loving. That is caring enough for someone um, to take steps to help them in situations where they perha- perhaps can't either help themselves or see what is needed that is best for them. Sakina, so, do you agree with what I've just said?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And do you know when he had those police come take me out of his house, we got back together after I, you know, got my children got settled, but I never lived with him again, and I think that's very healthy. I went to a group home for a while, I had my own place for a while, but. For me, it would help me not to have to depend on him or people and kind of be on my own. And, and when, when I got sick on my own, I knew something, you know, something was wrong with me. Yeah.
1: Just very quickly, because we're going to run out of time. Back to you, Anika, on this question of love and hope coming together. Was tough love ever necessary for you?
2: You know, I think it should have been. I was so young, um... When a lot of this happened that I did not have the boundaries that I probably should have had and that definitely has its own consequences. Um, I think in looking back I definitely see the importance of that tough love um, but I I have to tell you that I think I was definitely out of balance because I was so young when my mom was going through a crisis time.
1: And this really goes back to something that you both said but particularly Sakina, that uh, parenting in these situations is important. For the very reason that sometimes a a young person, a youngster, needs tough love in the way that you've just described it. And so that's another very important thing that you both are conveying. Now, again unfortunately we have to take the break so we'll do it right now this is Dr. Gordon Adley and my guests are Anika and Sakina Francis you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River please stay with us we're coming back
6: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
4: All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18.
0: Rachel Carson, in the sea around us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river. Like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein.
4: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc.com. at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is Keys to Resilience, Building Connections, Love and Hope. Now, let's talk more about these keys to resilience and the ways of creating and sustaining these. Uh, Anika, you've said that meaning and purpose are one of the keys to resilience. Tell us more about these. Anika?
2: Well, having purpose gives you direction in your life, and it can also give your life meaning. If your life doesn't have any meaning, then you're just going through the motions. And I know firsthand that when life knocks you down, if you're just going through the motions and you have no purpose, it's hard to find the will and the strength to get up. So to me, meaning and purpose go hand in hand with resilience. I think it's overlooked a lot when it comes to people with mental illnesses, um, but it's really important that they also have a sense of meaning and purpose in their life. And I think that can come through doing things like working and volunteering, doing something that's of value and that makes a contribution. And I feel that we can all contribute something in our own way, however big or small that might be. When I think about um, consumers or people living with a severe mental illness, Their life can get engulfed by their illness and their life can be more than just their sickness and I think it's important to remember that I think it's important to help them to remember that and also I think it's important that they have opportunities to contribute um, and that people help to support them in that so their life does have meaning and purpose.
1: Going to Sakina now you mentioned right at the very beginning your purpose so that leads to my question to you right now which is how has your experience with mental illness helped you to shape your purpose which now you state so clearly how has it worked for you
3: well well purpose for me uh gives you a reason for living and kind of a hope for the future um I want to just tell you one instance with me was like staying at home. I, when I first came home, I was laying around all the, all the time, and uh, all, which the medicine made me sleepy. But my dad said that I have to do better than that, and uh, I would have to get out and volunteer. I just could not lay around all day. And a, a good purpose for me and a good hope for me is working, volunteering, or working part time. And his uh, uh, saying, "I've got to do better than that," uh, inspired me to have two long-term part-time jobs. Uh, one at the SkyCap at the airport, which was a lot of fun around people, and then another one was a uh, assistant activities person at a nursing home. And these two jobs and working, and I've done many volunteer jobs and I've gotten jobs. That purpose is so important to me. It just lifts me up to get out of the house. Uh, I have respect from Anika that I'm working. And now since Anika's grown, my nieces are grown, now my purpose and meaning is giving speeches to talk about resilience and say what, what are some of the keys to recovery. And... Um, I talk to police and, and uh, nursing students, too. So that gives me a great purpose that I'm helping people, and it's, it's hope for the future that I, I could keep doing this.
1: Just a very quick additional point on that question. Am I right in saying, Sakina, that having purpose in the way that you did creates in your own mind a sense that you're a valuable person, that you have valuable value. You can do other things for other people. Is that right? That's-
3: absolutely absolutely and you know the first step is getting out the house and and having a direction anybody could go and volunteer and it could be one time a week. It could be five times a week. Just, I wish my peers, and some of them do, get out. You can go to peer groups. That's, that helps so much to be around other people that are like you. I had peer groups that I stayed friends with three of the girls for years after leaving. And I stayed friends, and two of them have passed away now, but we stayed friends for years. So that, that was the purpose to have friendship, have people that are like you trying to to survive in a healthy way so that was a big purpose for living for me
1: too right anika you believe strongly in the power of choice you've said so on this occasion and but also on several other occasions so what does it mean to choose something better what strategies do you have for family caregivers who may struggle to find the balance between caring for themselves and caring for their loved ones complex question
2: anika (laughs) Yeah, that is a complex question. I I do believe in the power of choice, and I think that's an important piece of resilience, both for caregivers and also for people living with mental illness. One of the things that I really learned from my mom as we worked on the book and I learned more about her story So medicine is an important part of her long-term recovery, but it's not just the medicine. It's her choice to stay on the medicine, and the two really go hand in hand. And similar choices I think are important for caregivers in terms of finding their own balance. Um, I I had a really big aha myself. I talked a little bit earlier where I said I didn't think I always had the balance um, perhaps that I needed when I was younger in terms of that caregiving role. And one of the things that happened for me is that, you know, when I was young, my mom's struggles with schizophrenia really became my struggles. But when she got better, I continued in some of those same patterns. And some of those patterns weren't healthy, where I didn't always know how to balance my own needs um, with that kind of caregiving role. So for me, as a caregiver, I really had to make a choice about finding my own balance, doing things that were healing for me, um, and also learning to have some healthy boundaries. And I think that those are really important choices for caregivers in general because the more balanced we are emotionally, um, then the more balance we bring to our relationships and also to our loved ones who might be struggling with the mental illness as well. But so I, I think that choice piece is really important.
1: Right. Sakina, what does it mean and what does it mean to you you to choose recovery what role has medicine you I call it medication I think you call it medicine played in your recovery and do you have recommendations to give to people about the way they manage their medicines and medications that's another complex question but Sakina over to you
3: okay well, I talk about medicine quite about quite a bit in my speeches because uh a big part of my recovery was choosing to stay on the medicine as prescribed and um this was not an overlap choice. I had many relapses but when you realize when you realize finally that you 're hurting people and i I disappointed Anika and you know my loved ones uh when you disappoint them enough when I am disappointed them enough, I said, "You know medicine keeps me functioning, and it 's not just medicine it 's getting out uh volunteering or getting part time jobs or going to my going to peer to peer classes and um uh, medicine starts me on my way with that i i um, It keeps me functioning in a healthy way, and uh as I get older." Lots of women take medicine for a lot of different things. And for me, I take it for mental wellness, and I look at it like that. And when I'm not taking the medicine, oh, I get real thin. Well, my hair does come out, and I love long hair, but I'm real thin, and uh, but I'm completely out of my mind. Now, the medicine I have now, through hit and miss, we've had to change it and see what works for my body, what I take. Some people say, oh, that just makes me out of my mind. Well, it works for me, and I'm sticking with it. And um, uh, it doesn't get, you know, when you find the right mix, it doesn't give me a a lot of weight gain and I'm not real, real sleepy. I'm able to function as a good citizen. And um, if I had three recommendations about taking medicine, my first one would be to consumers to take it as prescribed your medicines. I know people that uh, will take more or less than one day, and I know people that will skip a day. I say take it as prescribed. And number two, when you're working, know your limits. Taking medicine, for me, I can only work part time because I get a little tired. So I know my limit and I stay with it. And number three, I think for medicine, medicine works, but it's, it takes other things too. And I, I recommend uh, attending peer groups. Be with your peers, and you know you could you, you all you're all in the, kind of like in the same boat, and you can help each other. So all I can say is. I'm taking my medicine. I've made that decision 15 years ago. I have not missed a day since.
1: Sakina, I just want to ask you an additional question relating to recovery and medications. You chose recovery, and choosing recovery involved deciding to stay with your medications, to use them as prescribed, and to understand what they did for you. First of all, am I right in what I've just said to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that something that you would give as a kind of advice to other people saying where appropriate, you know, if the doctors are prescribing it, choosing recovery really should be joined with choosing to stay with the medication. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Okay.
3: Absolutely. And um um I you know, I have peers, like I said, they adjusted themselves and do that. I just say take it as described, and when I take it, Gordon, I nobody knows I even take medicine. And I work jobs and nobody knew I even took medicine. And you know, it's it's, it's a good feeling. I'm taking it and, and like I say a lot of people take medicine for different things and when I take it I am a very loving, healthy, uh good uh citizen and family member.
1: I need can, I just inter- quick-
2: uh, can I about- interject on that too? Um one of the things that I noticed as I was working with my mom about medicine is that when she first started taking the medicine, no one really explained how the medicine worked to her, and that had a big impact on her um, I guess, desire to take it and her willingness to take it, I think, you know, that could probably is one of the things that contributed to her being on and off of it so much probably that first decade. You know, no one told her about the side effects, what the medicine was, and I think that's important um, for mental health care providers and psychiatrists to make sure that they are informing patients, particularly when they're stable, about some of the benefits of the medicine. You know, even if they're not receiving it fully, it's still important to plant that seed.
1: Right. I agree I agree. yeah very strong that now once again it's time for the break so we'll take this this is Dr. Gordon Atherie and my guests are Anika and Sakina Francis you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River please stay with us we're coming back
6: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
4: Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
6: Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to Energy Medicine and Optimal Health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love.
6: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Anika and Sakina Francis. Our topic is Keys to Resilience, Building Connections, Love and Hope. I want now you to talk about things that you would like to do and see done to improve ways for helping families family caregivers and family members living with serious mental illnesses and in particular to help them develop resilience so uh, starting with you anika what more would you like to do and see done to improve the ways of helping families and so on family caregivers and individuals develop resilience anika Well,
2: I guess one of the things I would like to see more of are more programs for children of parents with severe mental illness. Um, I think that there are a lot of organizations like NAMI, for example, that do a really great job of providing educational resources and support groups for families, but I think that the children can be really heavily impacted because they're so young um, and it can have a big impact on their development, behavior issues. you know, psychological things that they can carry with them into adulthood. And there's just not a lot of resources, I think, for children who grew up like I did. I think it's important for them to have um, different stress management techniques and tools. I think that's important for all family caregivers um, as well. So that's one thing that I think is really important. Uh, I guess another thing I would like to see more to help improve with resilience is for there to be more consideration of the whole family unit in terms of the mental health um, care process, because I think a lot of times the family can get left out of some of that dialogue and communication in terms of the care and the support, and the family's really involved too, and I'd like to see that happen a lot more in terms of some of some of the mental health practitioners.
1: Right. Sakina, it's exactly the same question. What more would you like to do in done to improve the ways for helping families uh, towards res- resilience? Sakina?
3: Well, um, I don't know if this helps families. I could say what I did with my dad. Uh, you know, my dad went through some tough times with me, he was taking medicine, now taking little dark days. Well, he developed an illness. When I was uh, in recovery, uh, he developed Alzheimer's. And for 10 years, he was in nursing homes, and I washed his teeth, soaked his feet, cleaned his nails, helped him with his food. Then we did fun things like singing that King Cole songs together and all his wartime songs. So family members that look after their loved ones, um, I kind of want to say, for resilience, don't count us out.
1: Yes, and I think what you're also saying is that love carries through all of that, doesn't it, Sakina? Yes, that it does. is yes, yes
3: it does, yeah. Gordon. Yes it does. And both ways. You just you never can tell what your loved one might develop into with your love and support as being a family member. Right. Uh, support, you know, living having your children stay with you.
1: Yeah. Anika, you mentioned the particular challenges for children, um, as f- in their role as family caregivers. Just say quickly what more you'd like to see, done to help children.
2: Well, one thing I would like to see um, are more support groups specifically for children because I don't think there are any out there. Um, I think also to educate children who have parents with a severe mental illness. Uh, I'm definitely not alone in having had the experience where no one really explains what's happening to the parent. Not only would it be helpful for the children to understand the illness, but also so that they know things they can do to support the parent and also what are healthy boundaries for them to have. I think that educational piece is really important. And then also things to help them to relieve stress. You know, I'm a big proponent of yoga, being a yoga therapist and all, but I think having practices like yoga or something that gives them some healthy stress management tools um, can also be really important just to help them deal
3: with some of those pressures. Can I say something on that, Gordon? Please do. Okay. Now, Anika talks about the education, the more serious side. Well, what I want to see with children is just to have fun. They're, when they're taking care of a, a mental health parent, they have a lot of responsibility. They, I wish that they had, I, and I'm going to start this. If I ever you know, have enough money, I'm going to get a big house where they can go bowling, go to the theater there, uh, maybe go to the zoo, museums, because they need fun too. Because what, being a, a child caregiver is a tough job, and it's too serious for children to have as a as a, a childhood.
1: So, Kena, that goes back to something you said earlier on in in this discussion, which, and in fact, both of you said it, that there has to be not only hope but also a sense of satisfaction and enjoyment out of what you do and what you achieve now let me just ask anika first of all and then sakina but anika first first of all do you agree with that the sense of there can be enjoyment and if you do agree is that something that specifically you'd like to encourage in the way that sakina has just described
2: Yeah, I I absolutely agree 100% with what you said, because if you're not enjoying life, I mean, it's you know, dealing with a loved one with a severe mental illness can be tough, but there can also be a lot of richness from the experience. You know, for me, one of the things that I enjoyed about my mom and even just some of her, her friends who were consumers is that they just had a completely different way of seeing the world, and it helped to expose me to so many different types of things. And my mom, you know, while she was sick, she wasn't just sick. And she was a person. And we did lots of different things too. And we had fun. And I think it's important to find ways to hold on to that and to find ways to do some fun things and not get so caught up in the illness. Um, I think that's 100% and is very important um, as well. And I, I agree with my mom because I do sometimes get serious. So she always reminds me to have fun. So we're a really good balance like that. Um, so I, I agree with her. It is important that uh, you know, that family caregivers do have some of those, those outlets in their
1: life. Very good. Now, Anika, I want you to give me your message for families uh, with serious mental illnesses, and I also want Sakina to do it. But let's start with Anika. What's your quick message for families?
2: Well, resilience is something that can be cultivated. cultivated but for our resilience to grow, we have to do things that nurture it, like making time to connect with those support systems, not waiting on hope, doing things that help to inspire it, Um, and also encouraging our loved ones to find meaning as well as fun for not only the loved ones but also for
1: caregivers. Sakina, what's your quick message for families, family caregivers, and people with serious mental illnesses?
3: Okay, well, okay, for families, I believe that they should go to NAMI's Family to Family Course It's a six-week course where they go over all the mental illnesses. They go over side effects, and they give you a big booklet to look at every week. It's all free, and you leave with that big booklet. Now, for families, caregivers, uh, I don't think they should let us cross the line of respect when we're living with them. And um, group homes are available, and you you don't want to not enjoy your children, and you wouldn't believe how resilient we could be if we're... You know, stabilizing a group, farmer, or or that. Now, my message to my peers is: uh, if you're staying with a family member, you have a responsibility to strive for uh, long-term wellness. And another thing with NAMI, they have peer-to-peer groups all over cities, all over states, every state in the United States. Try to get into that. Don't, don't try to be try to be a responsible person if you can. And I have a little message that I like to say: um, it's not what happens in life. It's what you
1: do after it happens. That's a really very powerful message to end on for this episode, both of you. Um, I want to say thank you, and I want to say please carry on with all that you're doing, all the things that you're saying, all the things that you believe in, and all the things that you're wanting to convey to others, all the help that you're providing. And I want to wish you every, every success for the sake of a lot of people who, who matter. And if by providing you with another opportunity for an episode like this, I can help you, just ask me, because I'd be honored to do so. Thank I you want to, I want Thank to you. say that... Okay, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Laser Medicine, the new arthritis treatment. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then.